Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho College murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates It at? is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag Cyber Sleuths. The Idaho Murders. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, October 17th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle flying solo on today's show. I have a bunch of questions to get to from Bucknut subscribers. Yeah, I wrote them down, posted a thread to the front row message board last night. So I'm going to get to as many as I can from Bucknut subscribers. A lot on the agenda. Um, the first question is from Jedi Buckeye. Jedi Buckeye. Actually, the first two questions are going to be from Jedi Buckeye. First one is, he wants to know how many points would Ohio State be favored over Tennessee on a neutral field? Wow, you're, you're assuming the Buckeyes would be favored, huh? They would be. They would be. On a neutral field, how much would Ohio State be favored over Tennessee? Um, it feels like, like around five seems about right. Four and a half, five, five and a half, something like that. Um, less than a touchdown, more than a field goal. Uh, if on a neutral field, Ohio State would be favored over Tennessee. But, man, Tennessee – um, their offense is legit. I don't think their defense would be able to hold up against Ohio State. I think Ohio State's the more complete team. Maybe I'm underselling Ohio State a little bit. So right around there, I think I think Ohio State would be favored by about five points, something around there over Tennessee on a neutral field. And maybe we'll see it in the college football playoffs, huh? How about that win over uh, Alabama? What a, what a fun game, too. Fun, fun game. Uh, the second and final question from Jedi Buckeye. Does Jackson Smith and Jigba see the field this week against Iowa, which is one of the headlines of today's show? I can only put so much in the headline. It's limited to 100 characters. Could have put like about 30 things in there for the headline today for today's show. Is Jackson Smith and Jigba going to return this week? Um, I don't know. I, it sounds like he might be medically cleared and could possibly play. I say hold him out till Penn State, even if he is medically cleared, because the last thing – you want to have happen is him re-injure that hamstring. And now there's talk maybe he had both hamstrings. You know, he's actually uh, – he didn't necessarily re-injure the other one, that he, you know, injured the other one against Toledo. So he might be dealing with two uh, pulled hamstrings. They're pretty hush-hush about injuries over there. So I don't know, to answer the question. I do not know. We're going to talk to Ryan Day tomorrow. Maybe he'll give us a definitive answer. He usually doesn't like talking about injuries, but he's backed off of that a little bit this year. Um I don't know. I'm guessing they'll say it's they're hoping to have him back, but it's not final. We'll see how he practices. I say hold him out till Penn State. Give him that extra week. 
Whenever he's medically cleared, I'd give him an extra week or maybe two weeks on top of that, especially the way Penn State looks. We'll get to that later, too. All right, a couple questions here from Chip Munn. Could Luke Lachey transfer from Iowa to Ohio State? He could, but I don't think he will. Uh, I think that, obviously, he grew up wanting to play for the Buckeyes, you know, where his father was a star. His father's still the color broadcaster on the radio team with Paul Keels. Paul Keels, the great play-by-play man. Jim Lachey does a great job as the color analyst. So, obviously, Luke wanted to be a Buckeye. They basically picked Joe Royer over Luke Lachey. I tend to think Luke's going to stay at Iowa. He's the backup tight end right now and getting a lot of playing time. They ought – you think Ohio State runs a lot of 12 personnel? Iowa, that's like their base, basically, is 12 personnel. And um, and the starter is Sam Laporta, and he's going to go to the NFL after this year, I'd have to think. He's really good. And Iowa, we can make fun of their offense all day, and believe me, I do. Um, but what's the one – well, two positions, offensive line and tight end. They, put, they produce excellent tight ends. I mean, we're talking NFL first-round picks like Noah Fant and Hawkinson and just on and on. They do a great job of – producing tight end. So I tend to think Luke Lachey is happy there. Probably not happy with uh, uh, the the state of the offense overall, but he'll, he'll be the starter there next year. So now maybe if Kate Stover goes pro and Luke thinks he can come to Ohio state and there's, they reach out and maybe it's, I mean, it's a possibility, but I don't think it'll happen. All right. Other one from Chip Munn. Chip had a lot of questions. I'm going to get to one more of his as well. Two more, including this one, but Chip had about seven questions. All right. Who are the top four teams in college football right now, in my opinion? Okay, I'm going to go Ohio State, Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan. So basically chalk, basically chalk with what the AP poll, new AP poll is. And I have Clemson and Alabama knocking on the door. Don't write Alabama off yet. I mean, obviously we all know if, if Alabama runs the table from here and they're sitting there at 12-1 and one, SEC champs and their one loss is a three-point game at Tennessee on a last-second field goal – 12 and 1 Alabama's in the playoff for sure. And I know I'm not breaking news there. All of you know that. But so don't write them off yet. But if they get a second loss, forget about it. Then Bama's done. But if they run the table from here, they'll get in. But so don't write off Bama. But my top four right now Ohio State, Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan, in that order. All right. Question from Tony B How much of the defense is Jim Knowles holding back? I think a decent amount. I think he's certainly holding some things back. And you better believe Ryan Day's holding some things back, uh, especially for Michigan offensively. Um, so I do think, I don't know, I, I can't really quantify it, but like I'm sure he's holding like a decent amount back. Um, another thing about this defense, um, they went, they were ranked seventh um, in total defense last week. Then they had the bye week, and now they're ranked fifth in the country in total defense. And they play this terrible Iowa offense this year or this, this week. They'll probably move up even more. Uh, Ryan Day said he wanted a top 10 defense. And then Jim Knowles said, that's great. I, I My goal is top five. <laughs> uh, right now, Jim Knowles is getting his wish, and Ryan Day is getting more than his wish. Top five defense. How about that? And they're a top five offense, too. I'm going to talk about a balanced team. Love this Ohio State team, and I love the coaching. The coaching's in place with Knowles, Justin Fry, what Ryan Day's doing, still having Kevin Wilson, Tony Alford, Brian Hartline, uh, Larry Johnson. I mean, Knowles, what Knowles is doing with the defense is great. I tell you, one guy's got to step it up is Tim Walton, I think. I mean, at some point, you got to talk about coaching there. I mean, I'm not seeing much improvement out of the corners, and that's the weak link on the team right now. So, got to get that cleaned up. 
But how much of the defense is Noel, is Noel's holding back? I think a decent amount. Not a ton. He's holding some stuff back. I have no doubt. He's even talked about that a little bit. All right, next question comes from 05 Hollywood 17 Wants to know, do reporters get status updates on Ohio State's injured players during the bye week? Kind of. Um, it was a reduced media uh, week last week. We didn't, you know, we usually we get Ryan Day on Tuesdays, and then maybe an assistant coach or two, and maybe a player or two on Tuesdays. Tuesday's a big day, as you guys know. And then Wednesday uh, is when we get players after practice. So like really Wednesday night uh, almost. Wednesday, late Wednesday evening after practice, like 7 o'clock. We get a bunch of players usually every Wednesday. Well, they didn't do that this week on Wednesday. And then we usually get a Zoom call with Ryan Day. They call it the lightning round um, for about 10 minutes every Thursday. They didn't do that last week. So they took out Wednesday and Thursday. But we did get Ryan Day on Tuesday as usual. We got Jim Knowles. We got Justin Fry. And we got Larry Johnson. And it was awesome. Um, I'm sure many of you have seen those videos from last Tuesday. And they did kind of give injury updates. You know, like they, they talked about guys like Jordan Hancock. They're hoping to have him back this week. Now, again, we'll talk to Ryan Day tomorrow and get further updates. So to answer your question, they don't send out like a status report, if that's what you're asking during the bye week. But obviously a lot of the questions asked to, to Ryan Day and Jim Knowles and all the other coaches. I don't think Justin Fry got too many questions about injuries, but, um, you know, certainly Jim Knowles and Ryan Day did. And, you know, they said they're hoping to have Hancock back this week. Uh, we've had people ask about Mayan Williams, you know, I, I think for sure he's going to be back this week. I shouldn't say for sure, but I tend to think that was mostly a precaution holding him out. Um, like he definitely get was banged up. I'm not saying it was like he was a you know completely healthy, but I think, you know, they're trying to save the, save the reps a little bit there for, uh, for Henderson and Mayan keep both those guys healthy because you're going to need them both. Um, so yeah, we don't get, we don't get injury, you know, status update per se, but you know, they were asked a lot of questions about the guys that are banged up. Jackson Smith and Jigba, they they said, as I said earlier, they hope to have him back um, this week. They said they hope to have him back for the Michigan State game too. So, sounds like they're playing it cautious with him. Finally, I don't know why they rushed him back for Toledo, but I gotta let that go because they're not perfect. I love that coaching staff, but no one's perfect. Um, Okay, Chip, another question from Chip Munn. My thoughts on Ohio State being favored by 29 and a half over Iowa. Um, seems about right. I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State covers that spread. They've, they've been really good against the spread of, other than the first two weeks. They didn't cover the first two weeks. Since then, they're 3-0-1 against the spread. Uh, the push being Rutgers. <laughs> favored by 39, won by 39. So, yeah, 29 and a half. Now, Iowa's got, you know, a pretty good defense, but – I mean, they don't have the – they've got a tough defense. They don't have, like, a fast defense. It's going to be hard for them to keep up with uh, the speed for Ohio State. Now this Ohio State team can run the ball at you. Uh, so it's pick your poison, the way this O-line's playing, the way Justin Fry has his guys up there playing on that O-line. So, um, yeah, I'll have, to th I'll have to think about a final score. But Ohio State winning this game by 30, 35, um, sounds about right to me. If I had to pick right now, I would say I'd take Ohio State to cover. It is a lot of points, but how many points is Iowa going to score in this game? Like, you know, is Ohio State, you know, are they going to score at all? <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. When they played uh, South Dakota State, which is a good FCS team, um, I don't think I've ever seen this before in a football game. Iowa scored seven points. 
uh, in their opener against an FCS team this year, a good FCS team. South Dakota State's a good FCS, FCS team, but still an FCS team. And Iowa scored seven points. You're like, wow, all they could muster was a touchdown against an, an FCS team? No. They got seven points by a, a field goal and two safeties. A field goal and two safeties is how they got seven points. I, I don't think – has that even ever happened in football before? I don't know. It might be the only time that's ever happened in football where you get seven points and it's by two safeties and a field goal. So Iowa is hor- – they're horrific offensively. Horrific. So I won't be surprised if Ohio State shuts them out. They're, 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 maybe that's my score prediction. 35 nothing. you know. Okay. This one is cut from – M. Stevers. M. Stevers wants to know, was Michigan dominating Penn State a surprise to me? Yes. Yes, it was. I foolishly picked Penn State to win the game. I knew early on that was a bad pick. I mean, the game's 16-14 Michigan at halftime, and Michigan was dominating, and they're only winning by two because of two, I don't know if they're lucky plays, but two big plays. Clifford had like a 60-yard run that led to a touchdown. They couldn't do anything offensively before. Clifford had a long run and then uh they had that pass really McCarthy that was a bad pass by McCarthy that wasn't luck that was McCarthy doesn't look that good to me that's the one thing Michigan looks way better than I thought in every other phase but I'm not impressed with McCarthy everything's dink and dunk his interception was a terrible decision and it wasn't like Penn State made a great play they said Penn State like initially they thought they tipped the ball no McCarthy hit the guy in the in the helmet (laughs) it was it was hilarious he hit the guy in the helmet for Penn State the guy was, you know, jumping up, but he didn't even need to. I don't know if he had left the ground yet. He was starting to go up and just hit him right in the helmet. And then bu- bounced into Mustafer's helmet. And then the Penn State guy picked it up and took it back to the house for a pick six. So they had two plays to keep him in the game. And Michigan's dominating. And then Michigan just destructed them in the second half. I tell you, Michigan's better than I thought they, they were. But they have no downfield passing game. But they have dudes on this team. I mean, Blake Corum is a dude. Their offensive line's playing very well. I do think right right tackle is a liability. Even when Trente Jones was in there, he's hurt now. I, I thought he was a little bit of a liability at right tackle. But the other four offensive linemen are really good um, and are basically all returning starters. Their center was a transfer from Virginia who uh, was a finalist for the Remington Award last year. So even though they lost their starting center from last year, they bring in a guy who's better than the guy they lost from last year. And the only other starter they lost, um, Stuber, was like a seventh-round pick, I think, by the Patriots. It wasn't like they lost that much off their offensive line, and they were a good O-line last year. So Michigan, really good offensive line, really, really good running back in Blake Corum. Um, they do have good receivers, uh, like Ronnie Bell. You know, I think um, uh, Wilson, number 14, Roman Wilson, he's good. Um, he's been really good this year. He's fast. You know, so they've got some good wide receivers, but they have no downfield passing game. I mean, they had the one pass to Ronnie Bell um, McCarthy had on the rollout. Everything else was dink and dunk. Of course, when you're running the ball for like three million yards, you don't really need to throw. But I'm not just talking about the Penn State game. I'm talking about overall. Uh, McCarthy has not shown he can throw the ball downfield. And don't forget, he's coming off a torn labrum in his throwing shoulder, okay, which I'm sure is part of it. So that's why – and somebody's going to ask, I'll get to later if, if a, a question about how I feel about Michigan as it pertains to Ohio State. Because um, as you guys have know, know, I've been very confident that Ohio State's going to take care of business. And I still am. I'll get into more of that. But uh, yes, was I surprised that Michigan dominated Penn State? 
yeah, because I foolishly picked Penn State to win. I even I want to throw up saying that that was a horrible prediction on my part. It's probably like me just wanting Penn State to win. Um, all right, I like this one. This is an, another um, headline of the of the show today. What position group has impressed me the most as far as far as based on preseason expectations to how they're producing now? Biggest pleasant surprise position group on the team compared to preseason expectations. And this comes from Fox R 2001, Fox R 2001. Um, clearly middle linebacker to me. And if we just want to say linebacker period, that's fine. Cause I think steel chambers is, is playing well too, but I never saw this coming from Tommy Eichenberg. I was hoping that they would be good at linebacker this year. And I thought Knowles, not just being the D coordinator, but being the linebacker coach himself, I thought he would get them to a good level. Okay. Tommy is not at a good level. Okay. Tommy's at a great level. Like Tommy is playing at a butt kiss award-winning level. And I never saw that coming. Now, maybe I should have because something the light turned on for him in the Rose Bowl. And that was with this atrocious defensive coaching staff they had last year. Ryan Day had to burn it to the ground and bring in everybody new except for Larry Johnson. And Eichenberg was great in the Rose Bowl. The defense overall struggled, although they came to play in the second half. But Eichenberg was the defensive MVP, had like 18 tackles. And it wasn't just like tackles like downfield after, you know, giving up 10 yards. Like he was making plays. And he's quicker than I thought. I mean, I knew he was tough. He's quicker than I thought. He's got such good anticipation. And he's taken this Knowles defense. And he's the captain of that defense. He's the quarterback of that defense. And biggest pleasant surprise on the entire team. I mean, there's others you could point to. Mayan Williams. Although I did predict Mayan Williams was going to get double-digit touchdowns this year. And some of you laughed at me about that. Um, Mayan Williams has been... To me, Mayan Williams has not been that big of a surprise, though. Like, I've always loved him. Tommy, to me, is the biggest surprise. Never saw that coming. I said during the offseason when I'd be on radio shows that asked me, like, about the linebackers, I'd say, well, I think they can be solid, but I, I don't see any star power there, is what I said. I mean, I'm just coming clean today. I said, I, didn't say, I, I don't see any star power in the linebacking core, but I think they can be solid and good. Tommy is a star. He's an absolute star, and I'm here for it. So that's what has impressed me the most. The biggest pleasant surprise as far as a position group, certainly Tommy Eichenberg at middle linebacker. All right, another question from Fox R2001. He's got a few more here. Um, do I see cornerback play improving? I mean, there's nowhere to go but up, right? And I think J.K. Johnson needs to play more. He's been good when he's in there. It seems like he's a little frustrated that, you know, all of a sudden he was playing well and then he's not playing much now. Um They've got to figure out whatever what's going on with Denzel Burke. And again, this is on Tim Walton, okay? He's got to figure this out. And as I've talked about on the show, I think a, one of the reasons we've seen regression from Denzel from his true freshman to his sophomore year is last year they play, basically played mostly zone. Now they're man press. And he doesn't seem very com comfortable, as you know, as Knowles says. you got to get that first punch in. you got to get that punch in at the line of scrimmage. And it seems like B Burke is struggling with that big time. He's getting that punch at the line of scrimmage. And then, obviously, finding the ball. He's completely lost. Um, so, those two things. And those go to, those go hand in hand. Like, if you get the good punch at the line of scrimmage, you throw the receiver off the route, the timing's not there, then you got a better chance of, you know, getting a chance to turn around and find the ball because the offense might be in disarray. The quarterback, you know, when, when you throw the timing off, that's when interceptions can happen. Um, so, do I see it improving? Yes, but I'm not like extremely confident 
but I do think it's going to improve because there's nowhere to go but up. I'm, I'm curious how much it will improve. Um, I I think Cam Brown has been good when healthy. Again, I think J.K. Johnson needs to play more, and hopefully they get Jordan Hancock back. That'll help it improve. Because we, we were even hearing if Denzel Burke was even better than he was last year, that Jordan Hancock was still going to give him a run for his money if Hancock was healthy. So if they can get Hancock back, that'll help. So, yeah, I do see it improving. We'll see how much, though. Because it's right now it's the weakest link on the team. No question asked. All right. This is from JVM1341. JVM1341 wants to know, does the rise of Tennessee give us concerns about Carnell Tate possibly flipping, possibly flipping from the Buckeyes to the balls? I still think he's going to stay with Ohio State. I mean, who who develops wide receivers better than Ohio State? What what offense is, is now? I mean, that dude from Tennessee had a had a night, didn't he? Had an afternoon, but but still, I mean, Ohio State Brian Hartline. I still think they're going to keep Carnell Tate. That being said, that didn't help, did it? <laughs> like the environment there was great. Tennessee's offense put on a show, and he's from Tennessee, so it's like. Oh. Um, but I still think the Buckeyes are going to land him though. I mean, he's he's committed. I, I think he's going to stick with that commitment. I really do. Something to keep an eye on. He was there at the game. But he's coming to Ohio State this week for his official visit. And I bet they lock it down if it's not already locked down. So, to Carnell Tate's official visit this week for Iowa. And it's not a big uh, official visit weekend. So, they can, you know, if they need to, give him all the love that he needs. Or they can do what Wisconsin does and forget the recruits even there and not talk to him. No, don't do that. I don't know if you guys read that story, Wisconsin, it wasn't Paul Christ. His recruiting department was in such disarray. He had like two people running it. They had a recruit show up who wanted to go to Wisconsin. He's now at Michigan, a linebacker, a true freshman linebacker. who's actually getting playing time for Michigan this year. Um, showed up for a, a visit to Wisconsin and they forgot he was there and didn't even talk to him. Unbelievable. All right. This question is from Buckeye in Maryland. A couple of questions from Buckeye in Maryland. Is Michigan's running game really that good, or is Penn State overrated? I mean, can I cheat and say both? That's that's what comes to mind, though. I think Michigan's running game is really good. It's not that good. Good luck trying to do that against Ohio State or even close. Here's the thing about Penn State, what I saw from their defensive line. Mustafer's a big dude, and he'll play in the NFL, okay? He's like every bit of 320 pounds. He's a big dude. 6'4", 320, good D-tackle. Their other defensive tackle, starting D-tackle for Penn State, 276 pounds. And their DNs are light in the bleep as well, okay? So you're talking about they have one guy who's like Big Ten sized up there in Mustafer, and the rest of their D-line is tiny. Penn State's good in the secondary. They've got a really good secondary. They've got two really good corners, Joey Porter Jr., a great one, and they've got another good corner, and they've got a good safety, whose name is Jair Brown, by the way. This is interesting. Um, Ohio State and Penn State both have a Jair Brown who plays in the secondary. So they've got three really good DBs, but their front seven looks soft to me. Soft. Other than Mustafer. I do have a linebacker I think that's pretty good too, but they're tiny up front. And Michigan's offensive line, not tiny. And Corum, really good running back. I know Edwards have put up a big day too. I'm not that impressed with Edwards. I'm impressed with Corum. So I think it's both. I think Michigan definitely has one of the best rushing attacks in the country because of that offensive line, um, and they commit to it, and Corum is a legit stud running back. Um, 
So Michigan, very good. One of the best running teams in the country. No, no doubt about it. I have no problem admitting that. But Penn State looks overrated to me, especially their D-line. I mean, I couldn't believe they had a D-tackle that's 276 pounds starting against Michigan. Like, what do you think is going to happen? And they were even talking about it on the broadcast. If you guys watched the game, like um, Klatt and, uh, and Gus Johnson, who do a great job, Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson, they said Michigan's coaches told them, we think we can get after them up front because they're undersized. And boy, do they get after them up front. So I don't think I am cheating. Is Michigan's running game really that good? Yeah, it's really good running game. And is Penn State overrated? Yes. Even now at 16th, I think they're overrated. They dropped from 10 to 16. We'll see. All right, this leads into the next question, also from Buckeye in Maryland. Did the Michigan-Penn State game change my mind um, regarding how I feel about the game? Because you guys know I've been talking smack all offseason about Ohio State's going to take it to Michigan. They still are, by the way. So that game changed my mind about how I feel, how challenging the game will be. And vice versa, did it change my mind about how I feel the Buckeyes will do against Penn State? This is from Buckeye in Maryland. All right. A little bit. Michigan's certainly better than I thought they would be this year. Okay? They've got dudes. Blake Corum is a dude. I, I meant to go over this earlier and kind of got off track. Their offensive line, they got some good wide receivers. Then their defense is way better than I thought it would be. Okay? Now, they still haven't really played anybody. Penn State's offense isn't any good. Um, so, I still think their defense maybe isn't as good as the ranking indicates. But the defense is better than I thought it would be. You lose basically th- three first-round picks because Ojaba would have been a first-round pick if you didn't get hurt. And then you lose uh, Aiden Hutchinson and you lose Dax Hill. And I thought they would take a big step back and they lost their D coordinator. Um, but they've got dudes. They've got Mike Morris as a defensive end who looks like – literally looks like Chase Young out there the way he looks with the dreads. I'm not saying he's as good as Chase Young, but he's really good. So they got Mike Morris as a rudge escher, edge rusher, easier for me to say, edge rusher or a rush edger, um, who looks fantastic. Uh, Mozzie Smith at D-tackle, he looks fantastic. Those two are future NFL players. They've got other guys, too, that I like on that team. Um, DJ Turner's a good corner. So, you know, and their first-year defensive coordinator looks pretty good. Rick Minner's son, former UC head coach's son. Minter. Um, so it's changed my mind a little bit. I still think Ohio State's going to be fine because <laughs> – First of all, first time Michigan's come to the horseshoe in four years. I mean, it's going to be crazy atmosphere, the revenge factor. But just looking at the rosters, I'm still think I'm still confident Ohio State's going to take it to them. I, but it might not be the blowout that I thought it would be. I still think Ohio State's going to win comfortably, though, in the game. Did it change the way I feel about Penn State? It changed the way I feel about Ohio State playing Penn State. Yeah, a little bit. But I've been saying all along that this is still going to be a tough game. Now we know we knew it wasn't going to be a night game. We know now it's going to be a high noon game there in Happy Valley. Listen, even though it's not a night game, thank God, it's still going to be a raucous atmosphere. They'll still get after it. They'll, every year they bring their A game against Ohio State. I don't know how. I mean, even the 2014 National Championship season, it took a Joey Bosa throwing the, the, the running back back into the quarterback, Hackenberg, to get a, like a walk-off sack there in overtime. Um, I mean, it's just it's a, it seems like it's a rock fight with them every time. Ohio State plays them, especially in Happy Valley. So even though Penn State's not that good, you know, maybe they'll move to Drew Aller now as their quarterback. That could do nothing but help. Clifford's just he, – he just doesn't have it. Um, so, listen, I think Ohio State's going to win that game by double digits, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. So that game changed my mind a little bit on both ends, but not that much. 
not that much as far as the uh, Michigan Michigan's domination of Penn State because regardless of seems like regardless of how good Penn State is or how great Ohio State is, that, that game in Happy Valley is going to be tight. <laughs> Maybe not this year. Maybe not. I think the last time Ohio State took it to Penn State in Happy Valley was in 2012 at Jake Stoneburner long touchdown. Urban's first year, Urban against Bill O'Brien in 2012. I think Ohio State pretty much blew him out then. But every other game in Happy Valley since then has been relatively close. I guess 2020 without fans there, Ohio State won that game by 13. That's that's been you know, if you want to, I mean, no fans there though. I mean, the last time that they had fans there where Ohio State blew them out was 2012. Hey, maybe they'll blow them out this year. We'll see. All right, last one. This is from Security Sales One. Security Sales One. He says bids are corners becoming somewhat irrelevant in today's game. It seems like wide receivers are uncoverable. Well, Security Sales One, I wouldn't say corners are becoming irrelevant you, i know you said somewhat irrelevant um i hear what you're saying it seems like i mean i mean my gosh the offense in college football is crazy it, it's fun um no they're not becoming irrelevant no 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 i mean absolutely not they're not becoming irrelevant i mean i do understand your point you know wide receivers it just seems like they're just you know on a different level this year and quarterback plays really good too so uh but no they're not no i mean I know that Tennessee-Alabama game is fresh in our minds, but um, no, corners are certainly not irrelevant. They're very, 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 very important, as Ohio State has learned this year themselves, and hopefully they get that cleaned up before that burns Ohio State. So thank you very much for joining me on the show. I um, appreciate all the questions from Bucknut subscribers. Um, thank you to the live audience for tuning in. Thank you to the podcast audience for tuning in. Um, appreciate you guys very much. Uh, can't thank you enough. I know you have a lot of choices uh, in the Buckeye football uh, podcast universe. I think a new one's popping up every day. So, uh, really appreciate you guys, uh, making the Bucknuts morning five part of your morning, Monday through Friday. Uh, so thanks to all of you really appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. win your fantasy football league it starts right now the offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition we'll help you win your league on the fantasy football today podcast part of cbs sports podcast network fantasy football today has three episodes every week following the latest news giving you early rankings early sleepers breakouts and busts so if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager check out the most dedicated podcast fantasy football today Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.